This podcast is brought to you by DC Music Publishing. Find out more at dcmusicpublishing.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast. My name's Danny Champion. I'm a music publisher. I run a company called DC Music Publishing. And this is my little independent music industry podcast that I've been running for a few years now, where I have conversations with loads of different people across the music industry about who they are, what their career has looked like, what their current role is, and their motivations for everything that they do in the industry and everything in between. Uh, The idea behind this podcast is to give a bit of insight into the murky world of of the music industry for either those who want to get into the industry or those looking at reaching out to the right people. Uh, My first episode for 2022 uh, is a conversation with Hamish Duff of First Artist Management. Uh, I talked to Hamish over Zoom uh, at the tail end of 2021, just before Christmas, about his career in music and about working with songwriters specifically for film and TV, because that's the area of the industry he uh, currently works in. Uh, He's got lots of great insights about this area of the business that's often overlooked, and it was great to hear about First Artist Management's uh, new composer mentoring initiative that they have launched this year, the year 2022. So for composers out there that are interested in getting into this area of the industry specifically composing music for film and television do check out first artist management and their mentoring program when you get the chance as with all the old episodes i'll have a bunch of links for you at the end but you don't want to hear me rabbit on so here is my conversation with hamish duff first artist management So how's this year been? This year's been an odd one for everybody. It started off, we were all in our houses. Uh, that yeah. was this year, right? <laughs> I've, I'm, I lose, I lose yeah. track of where things were and where we were and what time. Um, yeah. And everything started to open up again and kind of positivity started happening. So kind of walk me through 2021 a little bit, where it started from for yourself and for your company and kind of where yeah. you've got to by the end of the yeah. year. Well, you know, I always feel a little bit guilty saying it, but actually it's been a pretty good year for the company and for work in general. In, and I think, you know, it's the area of the business where we're operating, which um, really since, since cameras started rolling again post first lockdown, which was august september last year yeah. so 2020 that is um you know production started picking up again film and tv production specifically um and really it's you know it's just been accelerating at pace since since that moment so coming into the start of this year things have picked up and we're really busy um because everyone was suddenly trying to make stuff mm-hmm. and inevitably that requires a film composer or a TV composer. So we went, started this year pretty busy with a lot of inquiries and you know, a lot of a lot of stuff going into production that was looking for composers and then ultimately getting composers on jobs, which was great. So, you know, I always feel a bit guilty because, you know, a lot of friends that obviously work in other areas of the music industry, mm-hmm. specifically live, have had a much more difficult, you know, year and just the whole industry as a whole. But Really, you know, in the film and TV world, it's it's pretty busy. You know, there's just a lot of demand for content and a lot of investment happening at the moment. Where's that? Where's yeah. that demand and investment coming from? 
Is it coming from the streaming services? Is it coming from online or where are you yeah, seeing exactly. the, the vast majority of those gigs coming from now? Yes, I mean, all of the above. It's definitely um, the, the streaming companies are really investing in in productions. You know, they're wanting to create amazing content to generate users for their platforms. So, you know, a, big, a lot of the big American companies are now really investing in UK and UK talent, which is good. So, okay. you know, the companies that everyone knows of, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, HBO, um, Disney. And then you've obviously got the, the UK um, companies, you know, obviously BBC, ITV, Channel 4, you know, the, the, the regular networks um, that are obviously still creating content as well. So it's just a sort of perfect form of a lot of, a lot of um, competition um, for people's eyeballs. And that means that there's a lot of stuff getting made. You know, whether or not that will continue, we'll see. But certainly for the time being, that's the case. You said that there's a lot of eyes, a lot of interest in UK talent. Is that is that something that has kind of happened naturally? Or is that something that you and your company have really seen? There's been, a, a I guess, a kind of a steer towards that for whatever reason. Um, I think there's two, two things, really. That One, there's definitely over the past, you know, five years or maybe longer, like, you know, forgetting the pandemic for a second, mm -hmm. I think there was, there's definitely been a, an inc a shift over here. Um, and that, um, mostly well, what I've seen anyway, in, in, in the area that we work in is in high end TV. So I guess the UK wasn't necessarily known for making great TV. I mean, that's, that's, that's a terrible statement because there's some amazing TV shows that also been you know, historic, historic. No, I think, I think I know where you're going with that though. Cause there's, yeah. there's over the past few years, there's been a big shift in yeah. television productions. You know, their the money yeah. has been spent on, yes, exactly. on productions yeah. and Bigger a lot budgets. of that money yeah. has actually, has mainly been focused on the U S and yes, productions in exactly. the U S and that's now starting to, to go, I mean, you know, into the UK and beyond in Europe as well, I guess. Absolutely, yeah, Europe for sure as well. And I think the, the second part to that, the answer on that was really more recently, um, there's been a lot of extra tax incentives um, for productions to happen here. Okay. There's a lot of investment in the, the industry here. So there's, you know, there seems to be new studios being uh, set up and built regularly. I mean, there's, you know, there's one, a big one in Scotland, there's Cardiff, there's, there's, you know, a new studio being um, set up outside London. Um, so there's just, it's just a, a growth area really in the industry. And there's, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of stuff getting made here that perhaps wasn't, you know, 10 years ago. Your company is a, a, an American based company that expanded out into the UK. And so are you, or is your function as the, the person managing the UK arm to look after the UK-based acts? Or is it your function to look after the acts that the company has for UK-based productions? Yeah, more, more so the latter. So we work very closely as a team and working across productions together. And that was really one of the main reasons we set up was to have a transatlantic approach to the, the way that we represented our composers um so but generally yes as a sort of broad um way i do the uk and european productions and the us team does the north american and south american productions. okay um but that said there is a bit of crossover and a lot of stuff is co-produced and so we're working in tandem on those um, and then within the agency, each of us um, will be the point person on certain composers. And that's really, you know, the relationship that yeah. you have as an agent with the individual talent. So, yes, most of mine are based, um, the ones that I'm, you know, direct corresponding with are based here. Um, I have a few in Europe. I've got, you know, there's a couple in North America that, you know, I guess I take the lead on as well. So, 
there it is it's a bit fluid but generally that's how we kind of split things up yeah productions that would have come out this year on tv stuff yeah. we'll start with so, so one of the big productions that came out this year was an apple show called lice's story which um, a composer called clark scored that is directed by pablo lorraine who was oscar nominated for jackie i believe um cool. and was a stephen king adaptation it was actually the first screenplay that stephen king had written okay and it was an adaptation of one of his books um, so that was a big one um came out in the, in the summertime um it's an amazing score soundtracks um soundtracks available online people to <laughs> check out <laughs> do the yeah you know, do the plug always always do the plugs so how does something like that come about so it i mean how projects come about is a can be a mirage of different ways really so someone like clark is an amazing composer that has a good reputation so inevitably there's people that within the industry that are aware of him and will, will hire, want to hire him for projects. And obviously a lot of our role is to join the dots in those circumstances. And then there's other other productions that is very much us proactively um, reaching out, finding out what they're looking for, putting forward ideas. Um, hopefully, you know, one of those ideas resonates, doing, you know, and then going that way and then introducing them to the composer and then there's a creative conversation and, everyone's on the same page and hopefully that then leads to a, to a job um, and sometimes it's a combination of the two you know they want a certain composer but there's a certain level of us having to sell it in you know so that it's a it can it can be a mixture of things really and obviously you're working with composers who have uh yourselves on board there's other potential management on board as well especially for those people on your roster that are also commercial songwriters and yes. artists you've probably got publishing companies as well uh, kind of involved in some of the conversations and obviously depending on the production is whether or not the producers own the music at the end you know work for hire and all that sort of stuff. so how does it all how do you fit into the ecosystem around the around the talent I guess, because you're not the only, I mean, you might be the only person, you might be the only company involved in certain uh, certain people on your roster, but you're not going to be the only one on on a few of them. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so I always see it as, you know, our role as, as film and TV agents is quite defined. It's, we represent our roster within this medium of film, television and games. And we, our primary role is to to find the work for the composers and then um, do the deal. Obviously, there's a lot more to it than just that and strategizing and, and, and so forth. How we fit in is, is, it does differ slightly depending on the talent that we're representing. So as you, as you sort of alluded to, you know, and specifically with our agency, and it's really kind of, I guess, where I've come from in my own career is, you know, I do look after quite a lot of people that have recording careers and touring careers as well. Mm -hmm. And those um, composers will, yeah, as you say, have wider teams working with them. So, you know, a manager, a publisher, sometimes a record label, um, and then sort of everything you know, all the support staff that goes with those. Mm -hmm. And, and really, I, I, you know, I really like working in that environment. Um, it's a slightly different dynamic, because you do have a, a few more stakeholders to, to work around and work with. Um, but really, if you're all firing in the same direction, and all, you know, are there to do the best for the talent that, that you're all representing, then yeah that's when the best results for me, I feel, happen. Um, so really, we're part of a team in the same way like a live agent would be part of the team. You know, they they just take care of the live bookings of 
mm-hmm. um, of of any artist, and we or the live agent that just takes care of the bookings in the film and TV space or computer games or in that world. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of really how I see it, you know, fitting in. Um, there is uh, a bit, as I say, a bit more navigation when when composers are are, are signed in exclusive either publishing or record deals. Uh, and there are there are circumstances that an agent won't be able to work with an artist because of restrictions in their usually their publishing arrangement that would prevent an agent like myself from really being doing it really being able to do the work that we need to do and okay. um so so with all the you know all the ones that i represent we yeah there's a there's a pre-existing arrangement um which allows me to go and, and do the job that i need to do how does that how does that work so someone like solomon gray for example so that they're a an act that i know of from uh connections i have at decca there's a there's a label in there there's a publisher in there uh as as well working with them so when you when if if a project comes in for them does it is from your perspective from the negotiation perspective are you saying that this music is represented by their publishing company or is there always wiggle room especially if you're working with the disney's of this world and the and the bbc's of this world who tend to retain the rights in those songs so is there always a a negotiation happening in the background or is it quite often just well if you want this person basically this is how it works there's no wiggle room because of the contract that they've already signed um yeah i mean with solomon gray it's a slightly unique situation because i've worked with them for a number of years and was their manager for a number of years before sort of transitioning into the role that i am now mm-hmm. and so with their publishing deal um you know i negotiated that and was part of that specific deal um and we had provisions put in uh because they'd already done some right uh, composition for film and tv at that point when we when we um did the, the publishing deal for them so we added provisions into that agreement that basically gave them the flexibility to take on the work that they wanted to take on. So there wasn't restrictions um, to, to prevent them from taking on film and TV work, which is something that I will always advise to any artist who wants to work in this space that that is uh, perhaps, you know, has a recording career um, or a touring, touring career and is in that situation where they are um, negotiating or about to, you know, look at doing a publishing deal or a record deal, but specifically on a publishing deal. And I will always advise them if you want to work in this space, it's something that you have to think about in advance before signing and doing that publishing deal, because mm-hmm. a lot of more traditional publishing deals are quite restrictive in how a composer how a composer can take on work for the reasons that you say um yeah and that's something that um you know if you look at sort of more people that media composers that have you know um are much more focused on this as their career you know it's that's kind of the main if they're if they're going to do a publishing deal it's their main condition is is to not have someone preventing them or, or have a company preventing them from being able to take on the work that they want to do to, to move their career forward. And it's just a slight shift in the mindset that recording artists slash their managers need to consider when doing a publishing deal, if they are serious about doing film and television work. Looking at the roster now, a lot of the, I guess the, the, the people on the roster that are principally composers, film score, composers for games or or tv or stuff like that don't necessarily have a fixed publishing relationship because they know that their the music that they've composed is is effectively represented by the various clients that they'll have the tv companies the production companies you know their music will be kind of strewn all over various assortment of 
publishing companies that are owned by your BBCs, your Disneys, and are then in turn yeah. represented by your Warners and your Universals and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, you're right in the sense that yeah, a lot of their catalogue is represented by a multitude of different companies. But it's not to say that they don't have an incentive to request and keep the publishing rights. And it's always, it's a battle that we're having every day against usually large corporations to (laughs) try and uh, retain the publishing rights because there's obviously a big value in that um, for composers, and especially if, you know, budgets or fees for a particular project, you know, are you know, on the low side, then that's a big negotiation point is the publishing. So there is a, so even, you know, a lot of the top tier composers um, will own a lot of the okay. works that they've written. And in those circumstances, yeah, the, 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 the reason for getting a publisher on board is probably a slightly different dy- dynamic than if you're a recording artist and you're touring and you're, you know, the, for me, like the demand of what you need a publisher to do in those circumstances is probably slightly different from, you know, an established media composer. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is about, you know, really about having in collection and, you know, making sure that you're, so, so, so I guess what I'm saying is it, it does vary. Some of our, some top tier composers will have publishing deals, but they're much more on a kind of admin basis or, or at least, as I say, having this flexibility and this control to be able to decide on what projects they do. So it's a slightly different style of deal than maybe a traditional exclusive songwriter agreement where that um, you'd find with, you know, with more sort of pop rock sort of yeah, artists. Yeah. So is that is that your particular you know, place that you start from, that your composers, you're always coming from a place of our composers want to keep those rights as standard and then it's about the conversation about what the other the other party can offer yeah. in return yeah i mean absolutely we will always try and get you know the best deal for our composers and that can be you know the publishing is a big factor in that um because it is a big value and people you know want to retain rights and that's got, I guess, across the board, but certainly in this area as well. Um, so it, it's, I think when approaching a deal, it's, as I say, it's one of, one of the, one of the factors in the deal, um, that we have to consider. And it's a big one, you know, along with there's other areas of a deal making that we would need to look at. And that's, a, but the publishing is, is a big primary part of that mm-hmm. for sure. looking for in your composers on your roster when you're when you're looking at signing uh new additions i'm guessing like any company you're always kind of got one ear to the ground for new rising stars or maybe uh, seasoned composers that are looking for a new representation and all that sort of stuff so what is it that you guys are are always looking for yeah good, good question we i think First and foremost, and I'm speaking really on just my own perspective at the moment, but also as the, no, I shouldn't say that, just speaking on behalf of the company as well. I think first and foremost, we want to have an eclectic and diverse roster and we don't want lots of composers that are all competing for the same jobs. So we're certainly looking, and this is, you know, certainly looking at, you know, you know, starting with the music, what what areas do we not are we do we not represent in? Like what what types of music, you know, are we getting asked for, but we're not able to put forward the right composers? So, I mean, that's a very sort of broad broad sort of question, but but that that kind of you know thinking. So we want to always make sure that we've got a good range of types of composers. Um, you don't, yeah, you don't want to be yes, competing exactly. with yourself. And, and there is a, you know, there's a balance yeah. between that, but yes, that's, yeah, for sure. 
then um, when it comes to looking at a particular composer, what is it that we that makes them attractive for us to to work with? Um, and there's a few areas. Music, of course, they have to have the talent, you know, um, and we have to believe in it and be really passionate about being able to sell that music and that composer. Then, you know, other important factors are their temperament and their personality. Um, so we, we, I mean, life's too short. We don't want to work with, with people that we don't like, basically. <laughs> And don't get on with so that's really important <laughs> but also um you know beyond that we have to feel comfortable that we can put them in a room with whoever it may be um and know that they will a be able to sort of handle it and also be able to um you know work with a, you know collaborate with a range of people because it's such a collaborative industry you know, you're essentially making music for someone else's vision, you know, broadly speaking, and you yeah. and you need to be able to, you know, to, 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 to work with people in that way. And I think that's sort of like a sort of, it's a slightly different uh, mindset and temperament to being a, you know, a pop star. Um, and that's something that we're always so sort of conscious of and looking at. And also, you know, we, 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 we're quite careful about, and, um, you know, and I think we, as a company, we, we, we're, we're, and I, you know, this goes both ways. Like we're representing the talent. So we want to represent them in a certain way and vice versa. They're representing us in a certain way. And so we, that's why we want to work with people that we like and yeah. we know that are on the same wavelength because it kind of works that way. And, yeah, the phone stops ringing yeah. for you guys if you send uh, one of your yeah, roster in and they aren't yeah, the easiest totally. people to get on with. Yes, I've been there, been there. <clears throat> Something that I get asked a lot from working with really kind of in the nicest way possible, but really green songwriters yeah. at the right at the beginning of this journey that is, that is getting into the music industry. And lots of them are, are making their you know, their folk music or their electronic music and they're doing their own artist stuff. But more and more of them are having their heads turned by writing music for media purposes. And the question I get asked over and over again is, yeah. when you haven't done it before, where do you start? How do you start? And so it's kind of, yeah. it would be remiss of me not to ask you this. <laughs> So for, for those people, you know, everybody on your roster yeah. has started from somewhere and people that you will be working with, hopefully in the future, who may not have even begun that journey yet, will start from somewhere. So where where is the best place to start? What what are companies like you looking for in in songwriters that that haven't had any of that experience? Yeah, and we get asked this a lot as well um, from... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. artists, managers, you know, because it is a an area, especially, you know, I'd say increased recently because of lack of touring opportunities. So there's a there's definitely a, a shift in yeah. people's um, desires to, to work in this area. And, you know, and I say this, you know, a lot, and it it really is about just getting stuck in <laughs> to an extent. And I know that that sounds, you know, and it does not really answer the question, but you know, there's, there's, it's really, so this relate, this um, area of the business is really about um, your skill set and your relationships. It's like two areas and you have to really work on both of them. And you can't, even like the top, top, top recording artists, they can't expect to just suddenly walk into a film, a high-end film, and be able to write the score, record it, mix it, and do it in the same way. Because it's a different process. It's a different process to 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 making a, a film score um, than it is to making a record. Mm -hmm. And you, the best way of learning is learning on the job. So you know, gaining experience. You know, will come to ways where you can gain experience. 
And then as the other area is really relationships. So, you know, as much as an agent can help out and we do, we can find work for people. It's very hard for us to find work for someone when no one knows who they are or if they don't have any relationships or they don't have anyone else to back them in the corner when we're putting them forward for something. And that yeah. happens from experience and working on jobs and being good at your work and people recommending you and uh, meeting more people. Um, and that grows. And it's not an area you could, it's very difficult just to jump in and go and suddenly be working on a high-end film. You have to work your way up to that point. Okay, there are some very unique circumstances when a, when a recording artist um, does maybe make the leap over and, and, and can kind of skip a lot of that development work because of who they are and the profile they have and they've probably got a support network around them that can kind of yeah. make them deliver on that project. But really, it is a it it does take time, um, and you have to dedicate and put time into it um, to get to that to get to the point where you're getting hired on the projects that you, they probably want to be working on. Um, so, how do you get to that point? That's you know, million dollar question, of course. But <laughs> but there are certain indeed. things that I will always <laughs> encourage and say to people to do, and I think really it's about just getting involved practicing so you know writing to picture taking some music uh, sorry taking some visuals from somewhere and practicing scoring to the picture working that process you know you can do that that's a that's just a, a way to learn your skills or to help learn your skills. but then it's about yeah. you know starting to work on projects starting to try and get credits starting to, starting to try and build relationships and really most people will start off in short films the same as a director, same as a DOP, same as a, you know, a producer, you know, that's the, the, you know, the area of the industry where you can sort of start to grip your teeth and learn how to do it and meet people that are on that same journey that you are taking, i.e. starting, you know, uh, and moving upwards. And, um, you know, where do you find these short films to work on? You know, always start with your own network. You know, most people, have friends, friends of friends, relatives that are working in film or starting to work in film, shooting their own movies. Um, you know, so there's, there's like, go and speak to the people that you know, what are they working on? Can I do the music for your project? You know, just get your, try and get your foot in the door. It's difficult and it's a hustle, but that's kind of where a lot of composers will start. And then you know, it can sometimes only take one relationship and that could be your career made. You could work on a short film with a director. The short film wins, you know, the BAFTA for best short film. The next film that director is doing is a well-funded feature film, you know, because yeah. of the success from the short film. Yeah. And then you're the composer on that film. And then the next one you're doing a studio yeah. movie. You know, it can be, I mean, you know, pipe dream, but that can happen that, you know, and it's about that relationship. So, it's really about finding those relationships and working on them. Um, and, you know, there's resources out there where you can find out about um, short films and, you know, emerging directors. You only have to look at all the different uh, film festivals that are out there, all the different short film festivals, you know, research who the directors are. You know, you can go on to places like IMDb. Did they work with the composer? No, we should, I should reach out to them. You know, here's my music. There's lots of ways that you can engage with people at that level. And this is, you know, all before really that you would consider taking on an agent really, um, because you need to get to that point where an agent can then sell you. And to do that, you need some credits. You need to be able to show that you can do it. Plus you need to have learned your craft because we can't put someone in a room with someone and, um, you know, it, on a feature film, if they don't know what they're doing, like they need to know what they're doing. They need to know the different you know, people involved in the process of filmmaking, yeah. like how it works, what they do, delivery times. Um, there's so much um, to learn and you only really learn that from the job. You know, the other things, there are of course courses that people can take in this area. Um, and I know, you know, composers that have done film courses. I still think that experience you know and learning on the job is the best way but 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 of course like if you can you know educate yourself in a way you can maybe skip a few few steps 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, as as someone who works in that in in the kind of education sector of the creative industries, it's it's an amazing resource and area for uh, new yes. talent to learn the ropes. But it's not it's not a replacement yes. for experience. It's it's in addition to you've got to go out there and you've got to put yourself on the radar. Um, yeah. yeah, separately to that or via that, you know, use use the skills that you're learning there, but also get your name out there. And as you said, yeah, the other kind of route, which is quite a sort of traditional route to an extent and this is more so for the sort of more traditional media composers is to work through the system i.e working as an assistant to established composers working in their studio yeah. working as an engineer learning the ropes that way seeing the process starting to meet people through you know the composers that they work with inevitably if you're working with a composer that's busy, they have projects which they end up not being able to do because they're busy. You know, that might filter down and give you an opportunity to work on something um, that, you know, you wouldn't have got that opportunity without having that relationship with the person that you're working with. Mm -hmm. And so that is an area which, um, you know, and then once you've you know, built up your credits and then you start to go out on your own and, you know, start to take on stuff yourself, like that's quite a tried and tested route into the into the industry as a composer then you know the challenge comes how to get those opportunities as an assistant um, <laughs> there's all there's always an, another question well how do you do that you do it like this well, yeah. how do you do that well okay yeah you just just yeah just pick up a phone or send an email just do something rather than just sitting there and doing nothing absolutely it's probably that, the, the best way, you know, place to start from yeah, totally. And you can reach out to composers, you know, and say, or, or people like myself and say, look, I'm looking to be, you know, I want to learn if you've got any, you know, opportunities that are coming, you know, you don't, you don't get unless you ask. So you have to, you know, put yourself out there a bit, yeah, yeah. but, um, and actually, you know, that is, a, it's definitely, you know, something that we're conscious of as a company as well has been, you know, trying to support talent in that way, your young, you know, emerging talent in that way and trying to, you know, A, offer solutions to our roster when they ask us, if, you know, do we know someone that can help on something, but also trying to create that opportunity for people. And um, I'm going to do another shameless plug if that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, this year we are launching a... Um, assistant and composer mentoring program at first artists and it's specifically for young people from underrepresented backgrounds so we're working with the, um, a charity here called youth music who as part of their incubator funding program because one of the things that i i guess a frustration of myself um you know been in this industry not necessarily a long time but sort of seeing it as i've come into it is that there's a bit of a blockade on on where the talent is coming from and a bit of, of um you know a bit of a funnel where 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 and where these opportunities have been are being presented and the sort of people that are taking them it's it's quite closed and i think this is a this has definitely been uh, and i've heard it in other areas as well um you know, a concern about the music for film industry that it is quite closed, quite difficult to sort of break in. And actually Very part of this program for us is really to sort of try and open the doors to that and say, actually, you know, you, you, we are wanting to, to, to hear different voices from, from different areas. And there is opportunity for, for people wherever you're from to work in this area. Mm -hmm. And it's just about trying to create those opportunities or try to present them and 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 this is hopefully what this program is going to help with um and really it'd be amazing for us you know to for some amazing talent to come through that we can then represent yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on our well, agency yeah. I mean, like you know of course that's a, you know that's an incentive for us as well um so you know th this the program will be about you know trying to 
um, demystify what this area of the business is and what the opportunities are for people to work in this area, um, media composition specifically and film and television. And then, um, and then through the, the program, we'll be mentoring a, a number of, of young people. And then the sort of final part of it will be that there'll be two uh, placements with, with our um, established composers uh, working as an assistant, a paid assistant, you know, for, on a, on a, on a full-time wage cool. to, to hopefully be able to really learn the ropes um, and gain experience, gain credits and make them then, you know, be that platform for them, for them to sort of push on with their own individual careers. Cool. And that's, that's something that kicks off what the beginning of 2022, middle 2022, are we, are we, are we thinking of it as kind of more academic year stuff? So September, 2022? No, it will be, um, uh, kicking off around March okay. 2022. So, um, where there'll be some announcements maybe even made sooner than that um and then it will go on sort of across across the um across 2022 and i mean hopefully our you know if it's a success and you know we'd love it to sort of be renewed and then repeat but you know for now we're doing this so we've got um walk before say, you working with the charity for this one one uh version of the program and then we'll yeah we'll see how that goes So we talked a bit about your company and how that whole area of the business works. You find yourself in kind of the world of representing artists in film and TV, but you haven't always been there. You mentioned that you've done some artist management, kind of your more standard artist management, where you've kind of gone across the board working with and representing them in in negotiations with publishing deals and stuff like that and you've also come from a background of live music so what brought you to the music industry and where why <laughs> why the music industry and why did you run away from live music when you did good, good yeah uh, <laughs> good question long story are you ready no. um well really it's just why did i work in music it's really just a it was always a passion you know i i um do you play do you perform or did you no. perform well little bits and pieces as a as a kid i work that's another story for another time <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh yes so i came to uh university in london and um essentially i started putting on gigs uh because of it was a fun thing to do while I was a student right. um, and it ended up, you know, being relatively successful and helping sort of both fund my university lifestyle and also um, got me, you know, engaged in the music industry. I didn't have no idea what, what the industry was before yep. that moment. Um, but that was really the starting point. Um, and that was yeah putting on bands putting on gigs so that was really where i started um and then from there you know a bunch of steps um i ended up getting a job uh one of my first jobs was working at sanctuary records which is a um big you know big independent company at the time working in their travel and touring department um and that kind of started to the journey in terms of making a career out of working in the music industry albeit i was sort of you know booking hotels for bands on tour at, at that point and I was then say, i enjoy i enjoy one of your one of your uh job roles is listed as travel agent i didn't yeah. i do enjoy that yes i'm a travel agent to the stars yeah well i've got <laughs> some stories from from those days as well i mean we were at the time we were doing uh our company well part of it was sanctuary we were doing, you know, Morrissey, Simply Red, um, Marilyn Manson. Okay. So you know, there's some stories. <laughs> okay, from, there's from there's three the artists right there that you can kind of start to start to fill in a few a few blanks about yeah, what those sorts exactly. of tours are going to be like. <laughs> yeah. 
Is that so? I mean, quite a few people get into the area of live music, whether that's booking or promoting, and that's where they stay. Was that yeah. never really something that kind of felt like it was going to be on the cards for you? Was this always kind of, you know, once you kind of, I guess, fell into the music industry and you started seeing everything else, did you start getting your head turned by other areas or was kind of the movement into management and things like that a little bit of a happy accident as well? Yeah, definitely a happy accident. I mean, I, I, one thing I'll say is I, I do tend to get bored quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I shouldn't say that, but it's, no, no, basically I, I, um, you know, I was working in, yeah, found myself in this role and then, uh, was presented an opportunity when Sanctuary was bought by Universal, um, to, well, basically they paid us off and I was redundant, made redundant, um, but had a bit of a cushion and then a friend of well a, a client at the time who, who later became a friend of mine um called me up and said oh i'm working this new band um do you want to help out on it i know you've just left but like i didn't really care you were doing a good job do you want to work with it and i was like okay what's the band and they were like it was like vampire weekend and i was like okay sounds like some sort of weird rock goth band i'll check them out <laughs> <laughs> had a listen was like oh wow this is pretty good um so then that sort of started the journey of just working independently as a tour producer and travel agent so i didn't really set out to do that i just sort of started doing it but then more you know and then i started to realize that people were having more fun on the road than than i was sat in the office or in my living room at that point so started to go on the road with bands and you know have did do tour management okay. and so I never set out to do that I just did it I was just doing it and but it was it kind of I guess in my mind was never really what I wanted to do long term but was having fun and was sort of living my life day by day in a way um and anyway sort of so you know it was it was a, kind of quite a long journey from then to here but from then, from then, it was you know management was like a, a logical next step, and I had a friend's band who who came to me and were like, oh, do you want to Matt? Do you want to manage us? And I yeah. was like, well, okay, I'm kind of working in the industry, why not? Um, but I had no you know no experience in it, so it was very much sort of trial and error to an extent. Um, and you know the, the sort of working in management, it took me quite. a while to even get to a point where i was able to fund myself so i was always working in the on the touring stuff at the time and and you know to 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 pay for living here mm-hmm. and then um i mean there's a whole load of there's a whole load of stuff in between there yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. but but basically uh you know i was yeah just booking shows and i, I guess like you know, I, I see this a lot in young people working in the industry now. Like when I look at how I got from from then to here, and now I feel really settled and really happy, and this is what I want to do. And I sort of found my, you know, my 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 vocation. Um, if that's the right word for the, you know. But it took a lot of me just doing lots of stuff and just yeah. experimenting and seeing what worked and what what excited me and learning and learning and learning. And, you know, I, you know, I do encourage people cause it's a tough industry to, 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 to stay and sustain in, in, and, you know, some people are lucky and have a big break and they're early in their careers and that sets them up. But a lot of people don't. And I, you know, I did, I didn't at that point, I was just doing a lot of different stuff. And, you know, I was, you know, I look at like certain moments that kind of change the trajectory and, those opportunities were only created by what I was doing prior to that. So what got me in really in a way started the journey into where I am now, which was a long time ago, you know, I was putting on a night, you know, continued to put on nights, you know, um, promoting new bands essentially at the time. And it was the night did all right. It was at the Lexington. It was when the Lexington first opened and then, 
uh, you know, a music publishing company came to me and were like, oh, we like the music that you're promoting. Do you want to get involved and help us out um, with, you know, creating a catalog of music we can represent for sync? And I was like, that sounds cool. Don't know what sync is, but yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> sounds fun. Um, and, you know, then I learned very quickly uh, what it was. And, you know, that then started, you know, a, on a path of, synchronization and then music for film and and I did some music supervision I tried that and you know it was just lots of like trying of, of things and then continued to work and sync because you know I had a bit of bit of success and things were were sort of starting to happen and it was really you know at that point when management I was doing management but working in the sync area and sync music music synchronization to again to support myself and then those two worlds started to sort of combine mm-hmm. um, and naturally just started working more, working with artists that were, you know, in the sync or composition um, arena. And, and you know, through that, eventually then, you know, started representing composers and now got to where I am now. But it was, you know, quite a journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting how many people kind of, again I guess fall into the I, I don't even want to limit it to the music industry the kind of the creative industries because yeah. and especially of a certain age of people you know the the kind of I guess educational courses that there are now didn't exist back yeah. when you know I guess I went to university a little bit later so I probably was in that first wave of oh there is actually courses in this stuff now is there okay but before then there wasn't you kind of just you know you gradually you met someone randomly and then that was your way in and once you're in because it's quite a tight industry you quite often either as you said either people kind of go this isn't for me and fall out of it and go somewhere else or they they find their niche very very early on oh yeah, this is, I love this, this is great, I can't believe how lucky I am. Or they kind of do a bit of a tour around the different places and they start maybe in in PR or live, and something like that, and then they kind of migrate into another area. But once you're in it, because it's such a people industry and a connection industry, you, you can kind of, again, either fall into different things or meet people that kind of just shifts your focus that little bit more till eventually you find find the place that that you want to stay in rather than knowing exactly where you want to be from the word go you'll be surprised how many how many people have this have similar stories i guess mm. of of the journey through the the wonderful world of the music industry i agree i think like that what's that's what makes it such an exciting industry because every day is different and you and that's why i've stuck it out because i am someone that has to be learning and doing new things all the time you know which goes back to me saying that i get bored easily i mean that's really what i meant to say is you know i constantly need to be learning and and this is an industry that's allowed me to do that basically because i you know so what is ahead for 2022 for your roster uh for yourself other than welcoming welcoming life into the into the world uh what's yeah. what's really exciting you project wise work wise for 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 next year slash this year depending on how i edit this together <laughs> yeah. yeah well we've got you know a lot of uh yeah well, well, <laughs> A lot of composers are working on projects now, which may well be out at some point yeah. <laughs> in the near future. But so, yeah, a lot of lot of exciting stuff in the pipeline in terms of shows that are coming out. I'm trying to think what I'm allowed to talk about. Um, I mean, I've just sort of run through some of the stuff that we have coming up. So we've been working with a composer called Nathan McKay, who um, did... A, series called industry with hbo which was last year and has his second tv series coming on netflix called the last bus um okay. worked with a composer called blank mass 
who was either well, won the Ivor Novetta Award on his first movie, Calm with Horses. His second film, um, Ted K, is due to be released in February 2022. So he, he's someone uh, that he's someone that I know from being a commercial producer, songwriter, putting out albums and right. stuff like that. So this is obviously something that is semi-new to his portfolio. This yeah. is something that he's really yeah. jumped in on over the past couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's got another couple of things which we'll be able to talk about next time. Um, <laughs> when I get then... you talking about all the all the, the stories from from Simply Red's tours. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I've, uh, Will Gregory from, uh, famously from Golf Rap and many other amazing uh, projects is, has got a TV show on BBC coming called Chloe, um, a six part drama series. So that's one to look out for. Um, I've got uh, work with uh, an amazing uh, composer, Hannah Peel, who not, she has her um, new album, which is out in February or March. It was announced today. March. <laughs> Edit that bit. <laughs> nice, yeah. Snip it. But, but, but also has been doing a TV series for Sky and has a movie that will be coming at some point in 2022. Cool. Um, we uh, have a composer called... I'm saying, um, well, all right, just going through Alex, um, represent a composer called Alex Baranof Baranofsky, who uh, has a film, uh, True Things, which was premiered at the Film Festival of Toronto and Venice at the end of 2021. So that will be coming in 2022 in cinemas. Um, he's also been working on another feature film called um, Burial, um, so he, so he's he has a, a few film projects. So you've, other... you've always got a fair amount of stuff yeah. to kind of juggle around with, I guess. Okay, so last question based on kind of that assortment of different things that you've got coming out next year. From your yeah. company's perspective and your perspective, how are you? Are you kind of basically selling, promoting the art, the the talent into those projects, and then just letting them get on with it, or are you? keeping an eye on things? Uh, are you a sounding board for them on top of the director and the production side of things? Or do you just kind of let it go and then get the uh, get the benefit of getting an early screening of some of these things? <laughs> uh, a, a bit of all of the above, really. Okay. It varies from project to project. Some we're very hands-off and you know, just doing the deal and then compose the and whoever they're working with just go away and make the thing and you know and then we get to watch it early as you say there's others that were much more involved and um you know usually in a sort of support system yeah. um way and that can be for a number of for in a number of ways so it really yeah it really does vary um and also kind of can vary on the type of production so another thing another exciting one that will be coming in beginning top of 2022 is um, the next um, a David Attenborough series, um, which is called Green Planet uh, for the BBC, which has been scored by the composer duo Benji Merrison and Will Slater, that we look after. Um, and that was uh, premiered, the first episode was premiered at COP. Um, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, being involved in, in those productions is, super exciting being yeah, a, yeah, being just a big fan of them myself you know um uh so that that's you know another one that we've got coming soon cool hamish thank you for chatting to me today it's yeah. uh yeah really really appreciate you jumping on zoom and filling me in on all this sort of stuff uh and giving me yeah your particular insight into a world that not many people uh probably are that that aware of yeah yeah <laughs> it's quite a niche area it took me as we, as we mentioned it took me a while to get to, to find it but <laughs> but it's but it's an important area and it's an and it's a growth area as well as you've already as you've said, said as well so yeah, yeah thank you very much cool cheers
massive thank you as always to Hamish for having a chat with me um, he was just about to go on paternity leave so his uh, new human should be in and around the one and a half to two months old now so I'm sure he's having a whale of a time with that um, if you're interested in seeking out anything that First Artist Management are doing, do go to their website, www.firstartistmanagement.com. Uh, you can find them on Instagram at first underscore artist underscore management and on Twitter at FAM underscore agency. You can also find Hamish directly on Twitter at Blue Top Music. Um, if you would like to get in touch with me, uh, you can do so via Instagram at DC Music Publishing or on Twitter at Danny Champion. Uh, or you can send an email to behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com. For those of you out there who are interested in checking out uh, DC Music Publishing, go to dcmusicpublishing.co.uk and have a look at everything that I offer there. There's plenty of episodes coming out in 2022 so do subscribe do follow do leave a comment do leave a review if you can that's always really helpful um but yeah looking forward to talking at you a bunch of other times this year cheers <laughs>